does strike me there's been a lot of people talking, or at least reporters saying people are talking to them in ways that have uh, struck me as unusually active. Is, is, is there something a reporter would have access to that the head of the FBI would not? Or for me to answer, I would hope not, what relates to the... I would hope not, too, since it's part of our surveillance program. This is our long-awaited chance to finally get rid of Obamacare. It's time to make America great again. Join the movement. The Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Time to dream big. Informative, insightful, and valiant leadership. Telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, Monday, the Neil A. Caruso Show Podcast. Welcome to the program, everybody. A very, very busy news day. And we are recording later on in the evening because just... So much going on, and a hell of a lot of it misinformation out there today. Um, and that's where we will start because, listen, I saw the um, saw Jim Comey testify in front of Congress today. I saw a lot of the questioning. We're going to play uh, some of that sound for you. Uh, I had some long sound as well because context is everything. Um, but, you know, I'm watching the news reports today, and it's unbelievably biased. It's unreal. Now, listen, um, we know this. We know that there are um, 97%, according to the Center for uh, Policy Analysis, voted for um, Hillary Clinton. It's 97% journalists. Um, We know that there's bias, but I'm watching the reports, and I'm like, wow, that is not the lead story, and they really just don't get both sides. It's very—listen, if I watch the mainstream uh, only, or or if I didn't listen to President Trump unfiltered— then I would have a much different opinion of him. Because if you just watch that, then you just think that President Trump is this villain. It is unbelievable what's coming out today. Um, But let me just, I'm going to tell you the truth. And the truth here is that we have a major problem in Washington. It's called leaks. Okay, maybe you heard of it. Washington, D.C. tends to leak a lot. And the problem is not just that they're leaking, that politicians leak to gain political advantages, which is wrong. It's unethical. Remember ethics? Yeah, it's unethical. Um, but it's more than that. They are leaking classified information, putting our national security at risk just to undermine President Trump. And there's more data coming out of that. And frankly, the FBI director, it was, you know, while he said today that, yes, President, Trump's, um, President Trump and his allies are being investigated— um, for possible ties to Russia, that's the big news today on the mainstream. But really, what we knew that already. Um, but what we also know is what DNI uh, Director of National Intelligence and Obama, James Clapper, said, saying that there's no evidence. We've had the House Intelligence Committee saying there is no evidence. We've had everybody say there was no evidence, and every time they try to gain something on President Trump, whether it be his taxes or evidence um, of meddling with and involved with Russia, they cannot come up with it because Russia didn't change any votes that we know. Russia did not, uh, I mean, clearly did not um, influence people's votes because Hillary won the popular vote, and they're very quick to say that. So that's number one. Number two, the only reason why we know about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn's conversations with the Russian ambassador, which, by the way, is his job that's never talked about, in the mainstream media, what we know is that he was doing his job, preparing for his job, and that was caught on a surveilled phone. And it's amazing. The rhetoric that's coming out saying there is, uh, or President Trump citing baseless reports, erroneous reports, that there was wiretapping. It's just not true. Well, um, what do we know? That the FISA court, they granted a warrant in October 2016, a month before the election, to surveil the Trump organization, an alleged computer 
and its uh, alleged association with the with the Russian bank. They were investigating. They did have a FISA court order that would allow them to surveil Trump Tower. That is a fact. Now, we shouldn't even know that. And why do we know it? Classified leaks. Why do we know about Trump's taxes? Leaks. Why do we know about the Russian alleged dossier of baseless accusations saying President Trump had all of these weird uh, things in a hotel room in Russia? That's just not true, clearly. But why do we even know about that? How did BuzzFeed get that information to publish and other organizations that did not publish it? Because they knew that it was not true. So how did they get that information? That meeting in which President Trump and Peter King talked about this today, Republican out of New York, that, that there was a classified intel meeting with the president-elect. That's when they told President-elect Trump about this dossier that was out there and wanted to just inform him. No one else knew about it except the people that were in that meeting. Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, FBI Director James Comey, former CIA Director John Brennan, and the NSA Director in uh, Admiral Rogers. So somebody in there, and according to Peter King, FBI Director James Comey handed President Trump this dossier. Saying, listen, this is what apparently there are. there's something out there about you. Whether or not this is true or not, we will investigate. That's their job to investigate. But how the hell do we know that in the first place? Because one of those men in there leaked it. That's what Peter King is saying tonight. So the real problem here is these leaks and then jumping to collusions and politicizing our national security and our intelligence. The problem is that there is somebody in our intelligence community who is leaking information. And I don't know whether it's Comey or somebody less. I think Comey, and I've said this, has to go. Because July 5th is when he inserted himself into politics and became a politician. That's when he made the, uh, the, the declaration that Hillary Clinton received and sent over 110 classified emails. Did not lay out an indictment, but did all of this in a public setting in a press conference. And then testified on it. And then he comes back and says, well, now we're not investigating. What we, by the way, what we found out today, Hillary Clinton was being criminally investigated. That we found out today. That's news. Anyone talking about that? No, I don't hear that. But Hillary Clinton was being investigated criminally. President Trump is not being investigated criminally. He has done nothing wrong that we know of. What we do know is that the FBI has to do their job and has to investigate. But there are leaks, and there is somebody with high intelligence, and it's not hard to find out who. And President Trump has to find out who the person is that's leaking. It is a felony, and it endangers all of us. Not only does it endanger CIA operatives, it endangers our personal safety and our lives. Leaks of classified information are federal crimes. And unfortunately, Washington, D.C. is a hotbed of leaks. And they all have their friends in the media that they go to, both sides, by the way. I'm not just cherry-picking a side. This has been going on in Washington forever. And the problem is the media's been doing unnamed sources that is not the norm. You don't get taught in journalism school. I know. At least you're not supposed to do this. Unnamed sources are the exception, not the norm. But they treat it as if it's the norm. And then they deny their own claims. January 20th, 2017, I showed this on the show yesterday, our live streaming show. January 20th, Inauguration Day, the New York Times reported on the front page. Trump aids wiretaps. March 4th, Trump citing no evidence of wiretaps. Look at your own reporting. Now, there was an exchange we're going to play for you. There's one with Peter King, and there were, uh, that's a short one that's at the very beginning of this clip. And then there's one, Trey Gowdy, who I have the utmost respect for in terms of his prosecute, uh, prosecutorial style. And 
he, um, and I'm trying to get this clip for you. Maybe I'm having some sort of issue with this, uh, but I'm going to get it and play it for you in just a moment. Um, President uh, Jim Comey, the FBI director, um, he has this exchange with Trey Gowdy in which Trey Gowdy asked him very hard questions about how do reporters get these this information. And he said, you know, and you'll hear, how come they have everything and it seems like the FBI doesn't have it? Um, so we'll play that for you in a second. Um, and what you have here, Trey Gowdy, brings up maybe journalists should be prosecuted for publishing the same kind of classified information. Just to give you a heads up what the statute is, uh, the Pentagon Papers, when that was released, the Pentagon Papers set a precedent that journalists and publications are not responsible for leaking, uh, for publishing leaked information. But the leakers, that is, a fe uh, that is a felony, and this puts our national security at risk. And Comey says he's concerned, but he would not confirm whether they are investigating that. They should be investigating. The FBI is the investigator. They are investigating President Trump and Russia. Fine. That's his job. Nothing new. Not criminally. They're just looking at it. Okay? As they should. But they should also be looking at these leaks because there's somebody, and maybe it's as high up as Comey, but it's somebody in his department in that classified setting that is leaking. And um, while the establishment there, you know, decries about these leaked classified, this leaked classified information, we also find out, or we also know, I should say, that these are the same people who are leaking to reporters. So it's such a hypocritical thing. Um, here is... Jim Comey in a, a little, I'm playing a long exchange here. FBI Director Jim Comey, Trey Gowdy of, uh, in uh, Republican South Carolina, uh, in a tense exchange over some suspects as well. And we'll talk about that because I'm going to, you're going to hear one here in this clip. You are going to hear about, um, senior administration officials being cited in reporting. You're going to hear, which is very common. We'll talk about that. But also, this unmasked list. And what does that mean? That's a very technical FBI intelligence term. What does that mean? And what? why are those names that Trey Gowdy reads... Why are, why are those very important? We're going to talk about that, but uh, here is uh, Comey, FBI Director Jim Comey, in exchange with first Peter King and then um, Trey Gowdy. I can't, Mr. King, but I can agree with your general premise. Leak, leaks have always been a problem. I read over the weekend uh, something from George Washington and Abraham Lincoln complaining about them. But I do think in the last six weeks, couple of months, there's been at least... A, apparently a lot of conversation about classified matters that's ending up in the media. Now, a lot of it is just dead wrong, which is one of the challenges because we don't correct it. Um, but it does strike me there's been a lot of people talking, or at least reporters saying people are talking to them in ways that have uh, struck me as um, unusually active. Director Comey, you and I were discussing the felonious dissemination of classified material during the last round. Is there an exception in the law for current or former U.S. officials who request anonymity? To, to release classified information? Yes, sir. No. Is there an exception in the law for reporters who want to break a story? Well, that's a harder question as to whether a reporter incurs criminal liability by publishing classified information and one probably beyond my ken. I'm not as good a lawyer as Mr. Schiff said I used to be. Well, I don't know about that, but the statute does use the word publish, doesn't it? It does, but that's a question I know the Department of Justice has struggled with through administration after administration. I know the Department struggled with it, the Fourth Circuit struggled with it, lots of people have struggled with it, but you're not aware of an exception in the current 
dissemination of classified information statute that carves out an exception for reporters. No, I'm not aware of anything carved out in the statute. I don't think a reporter's been prosecuted, certainly in my lifetime, though. Well, there have been a lot of statutes that bar in this investigation for which no one's ever been prosecuted or convicted, and that does not keep people from discussing those statutes, namely the Logan Act. In theory, how would reporters know a U.S. citizen made a telephone call to an agent of foreign power? How would they know legally? Yes. If it was declassified and then discussed in a judicial proceeding or a congressional hearing, something like that. And assume none of those facts are at play, how would they know? Someone told them who shouldn't have told them. How would a reporter know about the existence of intercepted phone calls? Well, same thing. In a, in a legitimate way, through an appropriate proceeding where there's been declassification, in any other way, in an illegitimate way. Um, how would reporters know if a transcript existed of an intercepted communication? Same answer. It, it, the only legitimate way would be through a proceeding, appropriate proceeding. The illegitimate way would be somebody told them who shouldn't have told them. What does the term mask mean in the concept of FISA and other surveillance programs? As Director Rogers explained, it's our practice approved by the FISA court of removing the names of U.S. persons to protect their privacy and their identity unless it hits certain exceptions. So masking means, as Mike Rogers said, I'll often see an intelligence report from NSA that will say U.S. person number one, U.S. person number two, U.S. person number three, and uh, there's no further identification on the document. Admiral Rogers said there are 20 people within the NSA that are part of the unmasking process. How many people within the FBI are part of the unmasking process? I don't know for sure as I sit here, surely more, given the nature of the FBI's work, we come into contact with U.S. persons a whole lot more than the NSA does because we may be conducting, we only conduct our operations in the United States to collect electronic sur uh, surveillance, to conduct electronic surveillance. So I, I, don't, I can find out the exact number, I don't know it as I sit here. Well, I think, Director Comey, given the fact that you and I agree this is critical, vital, indispensable, a similar program is coming up for reauthorization this fall with a pretty strong headwind right now, it would be nice to know the universe of people who have the power to unmask a U.S. citizen's name, because that might provide something of a roadmap to investigate who might have actually disseminated a masked U.S. citizen's name. Sure, the number is relevant, but what I hope the U.S. The American people will realize is the number is important, but the culture behind it is, in fact, more important. The training, the rigor, the discipline. We are obsessive about FISA and the FBI for reasons I hope make sense to this committee, but we are everything that's FISA has to be labeled in such a way to warn people this is FISA. We treat this in a special way. So we can get you the number, but I, I want to assure you the culture of the FBI and the NSA around how we treat U.S. person information is obsessive, and I mean that in a good way. Director Comey, I am not arguing with you, and I do agree the culture is important, but if there are 100 people who have the uh, ability to unmask and the knowledge of a previously masked name, um, then that's 100 different potential sources of investigation. And the smaller the number is, the easier your investigation is. So the number is relevant. I concede the culture is relevant. Uh, NSA, FBI, what other U.S. government agencies have the authority to unmask a U.S. citizen's name? Well, I think all agencies that collect information pursuant to FISA have what are called standard minimization procedures, which are approved by the FISA court that govern how they will treat U.S. person information. So I know the NSA does, I know the CIA does, obviously the FBI does. I don't know for sure beyond that. How about the Department of Maine? How about Maine Justice? I mean, Maine Justice, I think, does have standard minimization procedures. All right, so that's four. The NSA, FBI, CIA, Maine Justice. Does the White House have the authority to unmask a U.S. citizen's name? I think other elements of the government that are consumers of our products can ask the collectors to unmask. The unmasking resides with those who collected the information. And so if Mike Rogers' folks collected something and they sent it to me in a report and it says U.S. person number one and it's important for the FBI to know who that is, our request will go back to them. The White House can make similar requests of the FBI or of NSA, but they, can't on their, they don't on their own collect, and so they can't on their own unmask.
I got that about right. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I guess what I'm getting at, Director Comey, is you say it's vital, you say it's critical, you say it's indispensable. We both know it's a threat to the reauthorization of 702 later on this fall. And oh, by the way, it's also a felony punishable by up to 10 years. So how would you begin your investigation, assuming for the sake of argument that a U.S. citizen's name appeared in the Washington Post and the New York Times unlawfully? Where would you begin that investigation? Well, I'm not going to talk about any particular investigation. That's why I said in yeah. theory. Uh, you would start by figuring out, so who are the suspects? Who touched the information that you've concluded ended up unlawfully in the newspaper? And start with that universe and then use investigative tools and techniques to see if you can eliminate people or include people as uh, more serious suspects. Do you know whether Director Clapper knew the name of the U.S. citizen um, that appeared in the New York Times and Washington Post? I can't say in this forum because, again, I don't want to confirm that there was classified information in the newspaper. Would he have access to an unmasked name? In, in some circumstances, sure. He was the director of national intelligence, but I'm not talking about the particular. Would Director Brennan have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? In some circumstances, yes. Would National Security Advisor Susan Rice have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? I think any, yes, in general, and any other national security advisor would, I think, as a matter of their ordinary course of their business. Would former White House advisor Ben Rhodes have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? I don't know the answer to that. Would former Attorney General Loretta Lynch have access to an unmasked U.S. citizen's name? In general, yes, as would any attorney general. So that would also include acting AG Sally Yates? Same answer. Did you brief President Obama on, well, I'll just ask you, did you brief, brief President Obama on any calls involving Michael Flynn? I'm not going to get into either that particular case, that matter, or any conversations I had with the President, so I can't answer that. Well, Director Comey, there's been some speculation uh, this morning on motive. Um, I'm not all that interested in motive. First of all, it's really hard to prove. Secondarily, you never have to prove it. But I get that people want to know. I, I get the jury all wants, always wants to know why. I think you and I can agree there are a couple of reasons that you would not have to unlawfully, feloniously disseminate classified material. It certainly wasn't done to help an ongoing criminal investigation because you already had the information, didn't you? Again, I can't answer in the context of this particular matter. How about in theory? Is, is, is there something a reporter would have access to that the head of the FBI would not? Sorry for me to answer. I would hope not when it relates to the I FBI. would hope not, too, since it's part of our surveillance programs. I would hope that you had access to everything as the head of the world's premier law enforcement agency. I would hope that you had it all. So if you had it all, the motive couldn't have been to help you because you already had it. And Admiral Rogers, the motive couldn't have been to help you because you already had it. So in the universe of possible motives for the felonious dissemination of classified material, we could rule out wanting to help the intelligence communities and the law enforcement communities. Those are two motives that are gone now. That leaves some more nefarious motives. Is the investigation into the leak of classified information, has it begun yet? I can't say because I don't want to confirm that that was classified information. Well, I'm, I'm, I don't want to quarrel with you, Director Comey, and I, I do understand that you cannot ordinarily confirm or deny the existence of an investigation. But you did it this morning, citing DOJ policy, given the gravity of the fact pattern. Would you not agree that surveillance programs that are critical, indispensable, vital to our national security, some of which are up for reauthorization this fall, that save American lives and prevent terrorist attacks also rises to the level of important. I think those programs are vital and leaks of information collected pursuant to court order under those programs are terrible. And as I said in my opening statement, should be taken very, very seriously. What I don't ever want to do is compound what bad people have done and confirm something that's in the newspaper. Because sometimes newspaper gets it right. There's a whole lot of wrong information about allegedly about classified 
activities that's in the newspaper, we don't call them and correct them either. That's another big challenge, but we just don't go anywhere near it because we don't want to help and compound the offense that was committed. I understand that, Director Comey, and I'm trying really hard not to get you to discuss the facts at bar. But some of the words that appeared in this public reporting include the word transcript, which has a very unique use in the matters that you and I are discussing this morning. That is a very unique use of that word. Wiretap has a very specific meaning. The name of a U.S. citizen that was supposed to statutorily be protected is no longer protected. So some of this reporting, let's assume 90% of it is inaccurate. That other 10% is still really, really important. And to the extent that you can rely on the dates in either the Washington Post or the New York Times, we are talking about February of this year is when the reporting first took place. So we are, we're a month and a half or two months into something that you and I agree is incredibly important and also happens to be a felony. So I'm just simply asking you to assure the American people, you've already assured them you take it really seriously. Can you assure them that it is going to be investigated? I can't, but I hope, I hope people watching know how seriously we take leaks of classified information. But I don't want to confirm it by saying that we're investigating it. And I'm sorry I have to draw that line. I just think that's the right way to be. Well, I, I'm not going to argue with you, Director Comey, but it is, you know, we're going to discuss a lot of important things today. Whether Russia attempted to influence our democratic process is incredibly important. Whether they sought to influence it is a separate analysis, incredibly important. The motive behind that interference and influence. So, again, I mean, this is Trey Gowdy and response, uh, Jim Comey, the FBI important. director. And I'm just going to cut it off here because you get the you get the point. OK, what we're hearing here and I'm going to go over the unmasked situation in a second so you can understand that. But what we are getting here is the leaks is the major issue because if we didn't have leaks, the public wouldn't know about these ongoing investigations. Now, you can argue the public should know about it. Um, but the problem is is that you have a leaker in there in Washington. And just remember, 97% of Washington, D.C. voted for Hillary Clinton. They were vehemently opposed against Donald Trump. The establishment did not want a President Trump. And with the politicizing our intelligence and thus our national security, it has undermined our nation. And it is the responsibility of the government to secure its people and to gather intelligence to protect its people and our president. Now, you can argue that, well, you know, leaks are important, that we, we should make it easier for whistleblowers. The problem is, what's more important here? Taking down our president or making it easier for the Islamic State to take us down as a country? Simple question. I'm not being overdramatic here. Now, the unmasking situation. Trey Gowdy, you heard in that clip, asked a short basically a short list of suspects here that could be leaking. The DNI, James Clapper, former CIA Director John Brennan, Obama Attorney General Loretta Lynch, and ex-White House advisor Ben Rhodes. They could have known about Lieutenant General Michael Flynn on the phone with the Russian ambassador, which is just preparing to do his job, and he's not alone because President Obama set up the original meeting between Sergei Kislyak, the Russian ambassador, and um, Jeff Sessions. He set up uh, Obama's administration set up multiple meetings with R the Russian ambassador, private meetings as well, which is fine, is legal in terms of um, you know coming together as two nations to for for a purpose, a national security purpose, foreign policy, etc. But we shouldn't know about the Pfizer request, but we do. The Pfizer request in October in June that was denied. June 2016, to surveil on President Trump and his aides, and then in October was granted to surveil on President Trump's computer at the Trump Organization. Flynn being caught on that tape, 
reported by the Washington Post last year citing senior administration officials, whoever the hell that is. So what you have here is a massive leakage problem. That should be the focus. When President Trump tweeted this morning, on Monday morning, um, the real story that Congress, the FBI, and all others should be looking into is the leaking of classified information must find the leaker now is true because the government is leaking more than ever and James Comey confirmed that it's dangerous as the FBI director. Um, the so-called Russian connection, uh, we have no evidence of that. We also know that they tried to, or according to our intelligence, they tried to uh, not let Hillary be president, but that really wasn't in favor of Trump. That was just they didn't like Hillary. Um, and they couldn't change our votes. Now, what we do know is that there's voter fraud of illegal immigrants voting for Hillary Clinton. 800,000 illegal votes cast, in fact. And that's a fact. And if you deny that, you did not do your research. That's a fact. There is illegal voting. There is voter fraud. It does go on. And so when stuff like that goes on and we make it easier for leaks, we make it easier for illegal voting, who are we trying to help here? Are we trying to protect our nation or are we just trying to bring down people that we don't like? And the leaks are felonies punishable by up to 10 years in prison. That's the story here. And Comey, while he confirms that we're investigating Trump and Russia, which is his job, and then that becomes a major storyline, we also find out that Hillary Clinton was being criminally investigated. We then also cannot get a confirmation on are we investigating leaks? Are we going after leakers that are criminally putting our national security in danger and our lives in danger? That's the main story here. The NSA chief says he's greatly concerned about leaks of classified information. And these unmasked names or American citizens incidentally recorded in conversations with surveillance targets is exactly what happened to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. And it shouldn't have happened. He was just doing his job. And even if you caught that accidentally, those names should have never been released, whether it's as high profile as Lieutenant General Michael Flynn or whether it's Joe Schmo on the conversation with someone from Russia. If it's caught, they call it an unmasked suspect and they refer to them as a, B, C, or D. And those names are not released. But the papers released the names. And that is damaging for that individual. I mean, look at uh, look at Flint. His career is probably over because of this. And it probably will turn out that he did nothing wrong except for lie to the vice president. These leaks, and we're talking about it, Inside that Washington, D.C. swamp, there are very few people who have access to this type of information, and they're letting it leak like a faucet. And this should not be released, and those people are wrong. And the leaking situation that is rampant in Washington, and it starts with the politicians who are leaking based on a political agenda, are wrong, and they should be held accountable. And to under to try to undermine President Trump in this deceitful way is honestly that's what's un-American. Okay, that you set up our national security up on a platter for Al Qaeda, which, by the way, we're going to talk about later, is calling to kill Americans today. You're setting up our security on a platter. They are idiots. And what they are doing to this president is disgusting. We need to support our country. We need to grow up and stop the nonsense. It's time to get over it. The election is way over. President Trump has been president for two months. Time to support him and time to hope that our country is strong enough to get over this. And the leaks are a major issue. Investigations happen all the time. The FBI's job is to investigate. Remember when Hillary Clinton was being investigated and Jim Comey said, we don't, we don't um, have, what was 
we don't do security inquiries, as Hillary said. Oh, well, it was just a security inquiry. Ha, 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 ha. Just a security inquiry. Okay, wrong. Uh, actually, it wasn't. Clearly. Um, it is, it, you know, the FBI's job is to investigate. So them investigating is not the story here today. And if you watch, you know, the nightly news, you have a whole different impression of what happened today. And it's certain, and it's upsetting because it is. I could refute every single thing or counterpoint it, and they don't provide both sides of the story, and that upsets me tonight. Because if you are a journalist, you are being misrepresented, and a lot of them have become activists. I'm not saying all of them. A lot of them have become activists. Now, it's fine to personally support someone, but it's not okay to misrepresent facts, and that's what they've been doing. I listen. You know. I support Donald Trump, and I did from day one. From day one when he announced his campaign, I remember exactly where I was, watching his entire speech. And I support him from day one. I admit that. I'm a Trump supporter. Congratulations. Okay? I support my president. And you know what? If Hillary won, I would wake up on November 9th and say, okay, time to dust off the pants, as they say, in baseball, and okay, Let's hope she does the right thing. But no, they're not doing that. Instead, we have to leak and we have to undermine him. All you're doing is undermining our entire nation by leaking. And what did Comey say? They get it wrong anyway. They don't even know the facts. And they report the wrong things and you're sending, you're telling people the wrong facts. You know, you want some alternative facts, okay? The, the quote-unquote facts are in the paper. They're wrong. A lot of them. Okay, and yeah, they may have it sourced. They may have sources, senior administration officials, but guess what? A lot of it just turns out to be phony because we just don't know. You are fake news. We just don't know. The only people that know are very select few, which is good and bad. It's good for security reasons. It's bad because they can control things. And, and they could spy on us. We find out through WikiLeaks. The CIA could be spying on us. They could be watching through our webcams and our phones. And what are they doing with that information? But to look at some of the reporting that's going on today, you know, Russia, just because they may have favored a candidate because Hillary tried to... Um, ruin Putin in an election. You know, Obama's meddled in elections. Okay, Barack Obama wiretapped Angela Merkel, the German chancellor. He also tried to unseat Benjamin Netanyahu by using taxpayer dollars against our ally, Israel. Using our taxpayer dollars to fund the campaign of Netanyahu's opposition. And Netanyahu's right one of the nicest men. Okay, and... That's where our taxpayer dollars are going towards. We've gone through eight years of chaos. We've gone through eight years of division. When are we going to take responsibility and say enough is enough? National security measures need to be taken. Let's trust the FBI. At the same time, the people that are undermining Trump, and there's a lot of them, we need to, well, I would put term limits on congressmen, okay? That's in President Trump's agenda. I'll hold Trump accountable to that because I want term limits. I want people who have all this power to be limited for six years or whatever it is, but I see six. Serve the people. Your job is to serve the people. And eventually, people are going to find out. Americans are going to realize how just lucky we are to have President Trump. Someone who's working for free that wants to serve us. And they're going to realize one day that, wow, we were lucky. We had someone who wasn't beholden to special interests. All of these other people in Washington are beholden to special interests, and they're leaking for their own interests, for their own pocket. Not all of them, a lot of them. I don't want to make a generalization, but it goes on. And this is the sneakiness of Washington not working for you, the American people. And it's got to stop. The division has to end, and we have to take responsibility for that. Enough is enough. And blocking everything is not going to help your cause. 
It makes you a weak party. And now I'm on to the Gorsuch story. Neil Gorsuch um, is trying to heal and bridge that partisan divide. Sort of confirmation hearings today. He said he wants to be a faithful servant to the Constitution and apply the law impartially. Now, it's interesting because, you know, listen, Gorsuch has a great record if you look into it. He serves uh, Denver-based 10th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. He was confirmed in 2006, I believe it was, unanimously as a judge. And now you have all these Democrats because, you know, Republicans refused to even hear Merrick Garland's uh, confirmation. That was Obama's pick. But it was Obama's last few months in office, and Republicans said, no, we, we want a Republican president to make that decision. They got lucky. They got Trump. Now, okay, Merrick Garland didn't get his day in confirmation, but now uh, this Neil Gorsuch is very well respected. He's 49. Um, he has a record that has been praised by actually many left-leaning legal scholars, um, but even despite that, Democrats are obstructing. They are going to resist, as they like to say. He's very well qualified, and it's funny because, you know, I'm looking at the background of our Supreme Court justices, and there really isn't much diversity in terms of educational background. Most of them are for, from Harvard, uh, Harvard Law, or um, Yale, and, you know, I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, you know, President Trump put out a list of 21 or 22 judges that he would choose from way before he was elected to fill this Supreme Court vacancy. You know, really to encourage conservatives that he was serious about the Supreme Court, which in exit polling we find out is a top three issue for people. They wanted a conservative justice. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you know, there are some outsiders that President Trump had on on his list and wouldn't it be interesting, you know, if Justice um, Ginsburg retires or um, or anyone else for that matter, that uh, a couple of our aging justices, but Ginsburg you would think is probably the next to, to either retire uh, or pass away and, you know, Supreme Court justices serve for life as to all federal judges. Well, how about we put someone in there with a different background, not an elitist, and Neil Gorsuch, listen, very well-educated man, very well-qualified, and a stellar record. Um, never ruled on an abortion case, in fact. And, well, what if you had someone that what didn't belong to such a prestigious Ivy League law school that maybe was a scholar or maybe had some law enforcement experience? Actually, interestingly, so, uh, Sonia Sotomayor has some law enforcement experience, and she will vote sometimes more conservatively, even though she's a liberal justice appointed by Barack Obama. She will vote more conservatively on uh, criminal justice cases. And if you had a outsider Supreme Court justice from an outsider president, it would be interesting to me to see how that would play out. Some more diversity to represent the American people because we used to have actually three justices from New York when Scalia was in there. How does that represent all 50 states? I'm a New Yorker, but... We should represent all 50 states. We should represent all, all, all of our people. So it would be nice to have someone who maybe has a different perspective on the law. Not necessarily Harvard Law. Stellar credentials, Neil Gorsuch. I'm not saying that. He really does have stellar credentials. But at the same time, maybe an outsider in the future could be the, could be the next uh, person to fill uh, the next vacancy that President Trump may have to may have to fill in the next four years. Wouldn't that be something? Have somebody uh, add some more diversity, some different uh, some different views on law that could bring a different dynamic. Um, on health care, Republicans tonight are releasing changes to their health care bill. And President Trump did talk about this at his rally. Um, he had a rally in Kentucky, the home of Senator Rand Paul. In fact, he even uh, mentioned Senator Rand Paul. And said, you know, we actually really get along. Here is President Trump in Kentucky on the health care negotiation. Paul Ryan issued a statement tonight as well. We'll read it to you. But here is the President, Donald J. Trump. Finally, we want a very big tax cut 
but cannot do that until we keep our promise to repeal and replace the disaster known as Obamacare. And we're going to be working very closely with our leader, Mitch McConnell, to get that job done. Paul Ryan, everybody, they're going to be working very hard. And Congressman Andy Barr, Jamie Comer, I have to thank them for their help and their support as we move toward the crucial House vote on Thursday, the seventh anniversary of Obamacare's very painful passage. This is our long-awaited chance to finally get rid of Obamacare. It's a long-awaited chance. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. What's the alternative? The alternative is what you have. What you have is nothing. The worst. It's the big lie. And remember this. So true. I happen to like a lot Senator Rand Paul. I do. I do. I like him. He's good. He's a good guy. And I look forward to working with him so we can get this bill passed in some form so that we can pass massive tax reform, which we can't do until this happens. So we got to get this done before we can do the other. In other words, we have to know what this is before we can do the big tax cuts. We got to get it done for a lot of reasons, but that's one of them. And it's important to realize how we got to Obamacare in the first place. Back in 2009 and 2010, House and Senate Democrats forced through a 2,700-page health care bill that no one read and no one understood. By the way, today it's thousands of pages more. It's not even understandable. They ignored the public. They ignored the voters, and they jammed a massive, failed health care takeover right through Congress. And this is what we have. It's time for Democrat leaders in Washington to take responsibility for the disaster they and they alone created. Remember when President Obama said, if you like your plan, you can keep your plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Nobody brings that stuff up, do they? Do they ever bring it up? Matt, I don't think so, right? They don't bring it up. Notice how they forget all those things? Or when the architect of Obamacare said the law was passed because of the stupidity of the American voter. Or Bill Clinton on the campaign trail. Oh, he must have had a tough night when he went home that night. <laughs> Called Obamacare the craziest thing in the world, where people wind up with their premiums double and their coverage cut in half. Bill Clinton said that. The craziest thing in the world. Or the Democratic governor of Minnesota, who said, the Affordable Care Act is no longer affordable. It's been one broken promise after another. People have been kicked off their plans and their premiums have increased by double and triple digits. Arizona up 116%. By the way, insurance companies in a great state known as Kentucky, have you ever heard of it? are in tremendous trouble, will be fleeing, and we're going to save it all. We're going to save it all. Tremendous trouble. It's a disaster. President Trump in Kentucky tonight. And you know what I love about President Trump? Uh, many things. <laughs> but one thing is that he reiterates, I am going to keep 
my promises. And he repeats his promises, and these rallies connect him with the American people. It puts him right in there, in people's homes, and he reiterates, we are going to keep our promises, and he says every single one of them. And this is the contract. And I have that contract on my desk, and I look at it every day, and I say, okay, what can we accomplish? And he's accomplished more than anyone in his first 60 days, ever. He's working at the speed of light. Now, obviously, the checks and balances there are, are set in place on purpose. They're purposeful roadblocks. But the obstruction and all that is out of hand. Now, the health care bill, just on this, before I get back into the process, the health care bill um, was edited, so there have been markups to this. We talked about this on the Neil A. Caruso show yesterday in terms of the Medicaid changes that were expected to be put in. Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, issued this statement tonight saying, quote, The American Health Care Act is the result of a long, member-driven process, and these improvements are an extension of the inclusive approach. I want to thank the White House and members from all parts of our conference who have helped make this the strongest legislation it can be. With this amendment, we accelerate tax relief, give states additional options to spend health care dollars how they choose, strengthen that we, that, uh, what were already substantial pro-life protections, and ensure there are necessary resources to help older Americans and the disabled. With the president's leadership and support for this historic legislation, we are now one step closer to keeping our promise to the American people and ending the Obamacare nightmare. That's from the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, today. Now listen, Paul Ryan was not flexible originally, and I criticized him for that. I was more with Rand Paul, you know, Obamacare light. And you know, it's funny, Trump's a counterpuncher, but he understood the art of the deal. He understood the negotiation that Rand Paul, by, by coming out there and saying, listen, this is not the bill that I want. And then Rand Paul met with the president and said, all right, I'm encouraged we discuss he wants to negotiate. At the same time, this is a bad plan. It's not conservative enough. It's not going to lower prices. It's not going to increase competition. And now we're seeing amendments to the bill, and it's being marked up. I feel better tonight about health care. I do. I was not enamored with the way it was rolled out. I still believe Republicans they had seven years to repeal this damn thing, and they should have had a plan, a consensus Republican plan. We'll see how the votes play out, but Thursday— Will be interesting to see what happens in terms of the House vote, and it should be up for vote as early as Thursday. But the leaks, the major story today. It is not Russia and their alleged ties. This, this is just a phony narrative. I know I'm going back on that. Maybe I'm going in circles tonight. But to be honest with you, what they're doing and how they're trying to bring down our president is so utterly disgusting on so many levels. And these leaks, we need to find the leaker because we need to hold them accountable because it's going to get, it's being released to the public and it's going straight to our adversaries and it does not make us look good. And you should all be concerned about leaks. So hopefully that's being investigated. Uh, when we come back, Sanctuary Cities, President Trump uh, issuing his first weekly report on Sanctuary Cities, you're going to be astonished by how much crime is going on, illegal immigrant crime. Plus, Al-Qaeda says they they issue a statement to kill Americans. We'll talk about that in President Trump meeting with the Iraqi Prime Minister at the White House today. All that. And more as we roll along on this very, very busy and crucial day in the United States, this Monday, March 20th, on the Neil A. Cruz Show podcast. Straightforward talk that drives the political establishment crazy. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. Period. What, like with a cloth or something? I don't know how it works digitally at all. <laughs> Neely Caruso is on the air and telling it the way it is as you deserve. It's the Neely Caruso Show Podcast. A ranger station. I'd like to report a bear hug. Okay. I put out my campfire and Smokey Bear hugged me. So you drowned the fire, you stirred it, drowned it again, and felt that it was cold? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he's just letting you know you did good. Bear hug from Smokey Bear. Status update. I'm gonna let you go now. There are many ways to start a fire, but one sure way to put it out. Learn how you can do your part at SmokeyBear.com. Sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service Ad Council and your state forester. 
when it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Are not. M2. Are not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you gonna do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. And neither will Neil A. Caruso. With you every day on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast and Sundays at noon Eastern on the Neil A. Caruso Show on NeilACaruso.com. He's the real deal, telling it the way it is to make a difference. All right, we're back on the Neil A. Caruso Show podcast. Um, It's just amazing to me that everyone says there's no evidence. and They're still trying to push this narrative. Grow up. Grow up. All right. Um, well, Sanctuary Cities, you know, we've talked about this on this program. And Sanctuary Cities uh, have what they basically, uh, what Sanctuary Cities are, for those that don't know, because I, I will tell you, because it is my obligation to do so. Sanctuary Cities, 300 jurisdictions in our country, um, including New York City, Chicago, L.A., a lot of California, that do not abide by federal law. They do not report crime or, excuse me, they release criminal legal aliens who are uh, arrested, they are detained, and they release them instead of deporting them. They reject federal law. They do not hand them over to ICE agents. This hurts the minorities in the community because the minorities and other illegal aliens are afraid to report them, the criminal ones, because if they, they feel that if they do so, the criminal legal aliens are just going to be let back out, and then they're going to retaliate, as we see. So this report now, the Department of Homeland Security published its first weekly list of all 118 localities refusing to cooperate with the Trump administration. It's really three, I'm reading an article, but it's really over 300 jurisdictions. I guess 118 localities are, you know, why does that have to be so confusing? Why can't a jurisdiction just be a city? Hi. All right. So anyway, uh, they're going to do this each week, publishing a detention request uh, rejected by local jails, detailing the relevant um, agency, the status of the immigrant, and the charges they are facing. The first report published today lists 206 cases in which illegal aliens were arrested and consequently released from jail without charge, despite recommendations from Immigration and Crime Enforcement Agency to detain them for at least 48 hours. This, uh, the cases took place between January 28th to February 3rd, which is President Trump's second week in office. Now, just to tell you, because California is almost a sanctuary state, a poll conducted there at uh, University of California, Berkeley, in January found that 74% of people would like to see sanctuary cities abolished because they foster this criminal behavior. So... These 118 cities and jurisdictions uh, in this report reveal that in just one seven-day period, 206 illegal criminals were released, including those charged with murder, rape, gun violence, wife-beating, and sex abuse. Do I have to reiterate that? We have murderers, rapists, gun violence uh, perpetrators, wife-beaters, and sex abusers out in the public because they're illegal aliens and we're not going to report them because bad old Trump is going to deport them. They deserve to be deported. You rape somebody and you're not detained? You're released? Officials say that the department will step up its campaign to deport criminal illegals. And so these numbers will go down, hopefully. We've already seen a deterrent at the border with 61% um, are... Uh, of a 61% decrease in border illegal border crossings since President Trump was inaugurated. And they haven't even built the wall yet, but they're going to build the wall. DHS says most detainers are respected, but the 206 refused, where out of 3,083 requested, 
despite that small percentage, the Department of Homeland Security pointed to the very significant impact that those 206 had on their victims. Again, murderers, rapists, gun violence perpetrators, wife beaters, sex abusers released out into the public because of these sanctuary city policies. Imagine in our community, people are just running rampant. And most of these criminals are not one-time offenders, the Department of Homeland Security reports. Clear public risk. So now we know, and there are examples, and I could give you the exact facts here, you know, of people like Milton Barrera Lopez released from local custody when a detainer lodged with Philadelphia authorities was not honored. The Guatemalan Nationals, a previous conviction for two counts of indecent exposure involving minors. And this goes on. Okay? This is disgusting. And this is why sanctuary cities must go, and they have to be defunded. Now, meanwhile, President Trump today, very busy day, he met with the Iraqi prime minister. And what came out of this was he's going to confer with him on a strategy to defeat ISIS. This is his first meeting with the Iraqi prime minister. And President Trump is shaping his policy for defeating the Islamic State. Signal no really change in U.S. military commitment, according to this report, but frankly, he's not going to tell us what he's going to do militarily, as he shouldn't. I mean, think about it. Is At halftime, should Coach Belichick say, well, yeah, Brady's going to pass to Julian Edelman every play? No, that would be stupid to, to give up what the play calling is going to be. So we shouldn't release what we're doing militarily. But then you have this today. Al-Qaeda is calling on its members to, quote, kill Americans. In retaliation... For an airstrike last week that allegedly destroyed a mosque. You want to hear what this statement says? You may want to lock your door at night. And you may want to build a wall. The British-based Syrian Observatory for Human Rights said that 49 Syrians were killed, by the way. Just to give you some background on Thursday night's bombing, initially describing it as a massacre. The Pentagon confirms it carried out the strike, but denies that it hit a mosque. So the terror group Al-Qaeda which was the stated target of the bombing, released an official statement on the message uh, on the message app, Telegram, titled, quote, Kill the Americans without consulting anyone. They write, blaming, uh, they, they write to blame America and its damned President Trump for the killing and wounding of, quote, more than 300 worship- worshippers in a mosque uh, in uh, North Syria, west of Aleppo. Now, the terror group, Al-Qaeda, just so you know, does have a history of overstating casualties. The message, published in English, urges Muslims, quote, urges, quote, Muslims in general and the youth of Islam in particular to kill Americans on their own without asking anyone. They quote an old message from Osama bin Laden that, quote, neither America, not those who live in America, will even dream of security until we see it on the ground in Palestine and before we expel all the infidel armies from the land of Muhammad. They are doing this in the name of the Muslim religion. And this is where I said last week, it is so crucial to make a distinction between radical Islam and the Muslim religion because these are the radical people who are have waged war in America, who want to kill Americans, who want to destroy freedom, and want to lead the world in a vicious downturn to take power and control over humans. This is what they want to do. And this is just a faction of what's going on because ISIS is worse than Al-Qaeda now. Kill Americans. Don't tell anyone and do it for your religion. This is what they are saying, Al-Qaeda, today. Meanwhile, you know, our own money, you know, when President Obama released Gitmo detainees, they went back on the battlefield to fight against us. And now, our own welfare cash is being used to fund terror. Wait, what? What did you just say? Neil, you're crazy. Yeah, well, a terror recruit took his entire immediate family, including three young children, to join the Islamic State in Syria, and may have used government welfare money to bankroll the trip. This according to the Sunday Times. The family's former uh, landlady in East London made the discovery, saying she learned the man's wife received monthly housing benefit payments of about uh, $1,230 that she failed to pass on in rent. The suspect, a 30-year-old Shahan Cowdery, was brainwashed 
by Islamic extremism while awaiting trial for the murder of, seven, of a 17-year-old hospital worker before he was acquitted in 2007. After he got out of prison, he ran right into the arms of a banned terror group, Al-Majorin, ALM, um, led by the firebrand uh, cleric, led by a firebrand cleric, I can't pronounce these names, so I'm not even going to, uh, preaching, and he started growing out his beard, according to this, uh, the Sunday Times. His wife, whom he married in 2010, was a fellow radical, according to the family. Uh, and he was a preacher. He became a preacher, and he was sentenced to more than five years in prison last year for inviting support for ISIS. And now he may be using welfare cash from our U.S. government to fund a terror-related trip in Syria. I can't make this stuff up, and I just tell you this. I'm just reading the report here, just telling you this because you have to know. And that's my obligation to tell you what's going on in the world because it is a scary world. And that's why you lock your doors at night, and that's why you, you know, get down on your knees and pray. It's sad what's going on. And what are we doing? We are leaking information, making it easier for ISIS and Al-Qaeda to kill us. It's a, it really sick. It's very sickening. Um, we'll be back on the podcast tomorrow, and we'll have more details on this. We'll play more sound. Uh, Neil Gorsuch uh, has a second day of uh, confirmation hearing, so we'll, we'll get into the Supreme Court tomorrow. In fact, I may go over a, a, some history on, on the Supreme Court tomorrow in terms of what I mentioned earlier of um, you know diversity in the Supreme Court in terms of educational views. So maybe we'll get into that tomorrow. Um, we'll continue to obviously watch this whole leaking situation. It's very dangerous. But President Trump prevails. He keeps moving on. So, folks, do your part to make America great again. God bless you. God bless America. We'll talk to you on the podcast tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. The Neil A. Crusoe Show podcast is a production of Crusoe Enterprises. Engaging, informing, and entertaining. Passion-driven, factual content that makes a difference following Neil A. Crusoe on social media. And log on to neilacrusoe.com to sign up for Crusoe's comments, newsletters, and be the first to know.